0: Hey everyone, and welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. DCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes, as well as, obviously, their recent or upcoming video games. This episode is the third in our mini-series talking to streamers, and in this episode, I talk with Ian Degner, also known as Activator, who's a variety streamer and also works in the film industry. You can find more information about Ian, including links to his Twitch page and Twitter and all that, in the show notes for this episode on DarkStation.com. There you can also find the original Darkcast, as well as video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Thank you Before this episode gets started, I want to make a quick apology. I'm going to place this message at the beginning of episodes 38, 39, and 40. It's been a while since there's been a DCI episode, not because it's been a while since I've interviewed anybody, but it's been a while since I've actually published one of these interviews, and I don't have a good excuse for that. So first of all, apologies to any listeners that enjoy this Um, And apologies to the the fine folks that I have had the pleasure to speak with, whether it be about video games or streaming. 2020 has been a hell of a year, and we're only just over halfway through it. Unfortunately, beyond all of the issues that we faced with the coronavirus, with police brutality, with all the things that are going on with beloved actors passing away. My, my hope has always been that this podcast would be interesting to find out information about new and upcoming video games and, and to provide a kind of reprieve from the world, because especially as this year has shown us, it's a mad world out there. Um, and I, I, have succumbed to it in in many ways this year. It's been very difficult to get these episodes together because, to a large extent, video games don't feel like they matter right now with all that's going on. And If I'm being perfectly honest, instead of being productive in writing reviews or getting these podcasts that I've done the actual interview for um instead of getting those out for other people to potentially enjoy i sit at my desk and i i play video games a lot and mindlessly watch movies and tv trying even though even though it feels like doing this doesn't matter compared to everything going on in the world more or less, I try to shield myself from everything that's going on in the world with entertaining stories and engaging combat. And I'm not even saying that I'm going to be better about getting podcasts out for the rest of this year. I hope I will. But I am apologizing for doing a piss-poor job so far, and I'm saying that I will try. But I'm also just saying that If you found 2020 to be more difficult and you're not even one of the... If you haven't actually caught corona, if you haven't... If you haven't been affected by police brutality, if it just feels like the plight of the world is too much for you to bear, you're not alone. We're all going through this together. And... I want to thank each and every person that has ever downloaded an episode of Dark Cast Interviews and and listened to me uh, fumble my way through interviews as as I talk to talented men and women that have and continue to make amazing video games. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for listening to Dark Cast Interviews. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Darkcast Interviews. I'm Jonathan Miley, and joining me for this segment is Ian. I, every single time, I catch myself right here, right before I say somebody's last name. I don't ask about it before the podcast starts. Um, but you know what? This isn't live, but we're just going to do it live anyway. Uh, how do you pronounce your, your last name, Ian? Ian
1: uh so my name is ian degner okay Deg- i I'm kind of yeah. like sounding it out i guess i don't know yeah Degner. Uh, no,
0: yeah, that's that's oh. exactly how it looks but you know <laughs> i'm
1: always afraid
0: that i'm gonna be like is it is it degner and they're gonna be like no it's benoit dumbass right. <laughs> it's, always uh, a, it's always a <laughs> toss-up you never know so uh yeah it's just you know names are names are funny things but uh welcome to welcome to the show how are you doing
1: I'm good. I'm I'm appreciative to be here, and I'm I'm thankful to uh to get the the chance to hang out and talk and chat all about what we're gonna chat about.
0: Um yeah, and and we're gonna figure that out just kind of you know as as we chat. But um <laughs> but yeah, this is I think our third episode and kind of a, uh, I guess a mini series here on uh, DCI talking to some streamers instead of. Developers, and it's been really cool because I am I am not a part of like streaming culture, Um, and one of my favorite things to do on podcast is well basically two things. I either like to be really excited about something, whether it's the new Assassin's Creed game or uh, finally digging into Watch Dogs 2 and actually enjoying that, or Ghost of Tsushima, or you know any number of things. Just you know being like super pumped about something. Or learning something about something in gaming that I just don't get. Um, so this year we've been doing uh, games of the, the decade kind of discussion. And so I've gotten to learn about, like, Animal Crossing and uh, the Souls games, which I don't like, but <laughs> get to hear people explain uh, very passionately about. And so this is kind of like just a, like a long version of that. I j- I'm getting, like, a deep dive into uh into streaming and stuff like that so um so yeah you you stream video games that's pretty cool
1: yeah i i've been doing it for a while now and it's it's a it's a very different world than i ever thought was available when i first started but it's it's something that's super uh it 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 it's easy for me to do. I want to say without sounding like I'm very egotistical in the situation, but like I, I I find it very fun and it's something that I never thought was a potential career, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, everybody has that moment when, when you realize that they're actually humans that make video games, uh, when you're a child or or a teenager or whenever it is that you're like, Oh, these things don't just like magically appear. um, But now just with, with how internet culture is just so many other opportunities are appearing where it's just like, wait, you can, you can do that for a living. Hmm. What? That's cool. So, um, so yeah, no, that, that is, it it is pretty wild. So how did you get into streaming and and what kind of a, a streamer are you?
1: All right. Uh, well, I mean, I guess starting to it, it was kind of tough finding what streaming was back when I first found it. You know, I had so I've come from working in the film industry. I've been working in the film industry for over a decade. Um, and so when you're working in that industry, I kind of I, I more went towards the freelance route where I'm getting jobs for a couple days here and there. And I'd always have time off. And when I have time off, I'm either watching movies or I'm playing games on my own. And so I happened to be browsing my Xbox at the time, and there was this app called Twitch. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to browse it. So I started browsing it and started seeing a bunch of different games. And I was like, oh, I, I, this game looked kind of interesting. I wonder if it's any good. So I, you know, I clicked on it, and then I found out, oh, people are playing it live. Oh, that's cool. So now I can kind of see like a live demo of the game. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I found a, uh, a couple of broadcasters uh, that I kept regularly going back and watching and I didn't really understand why I was doing it. I was like just into seeing that particular person play that particular game. And then I started to re- uh, relate to the the person behind the camera or behind the, the non-camera at that time. Uh, and it was really interesting to find out that, hey, this guy is basically just doing what I did with my brother as we were kids. And now I'm watching someone else Talk over their gameplay, and I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. So that led me into after a year of watching Twitch to be like, Hey, maybe I can maybe I can try this. You know, I have this downtime between my film jobs, like, why don't I just turn on a camera, turn on my stream, and try to do it? And so I started it, I continued this process for you know a year. I ended up getting partnered on Twitch with the help of a lot of people, and haven't really looked back since, and it has now become my primary job i guess you could say Uh, i'm i'm been broadcasting for over five years and i'm doing it pretty much five days a week four days a week five days a week and it's it's been wonderful i love doing it it's a lot of fun i'm able to be my pure self uh and people want to watch that and that's like the that's the most mind-boggling part (laughs) is having someone want to watch you for just you sitting there and talking and maybe you're playing music maybe you're playing a game maybe you're just riffing about some news or something about the new ubisoft uh ubisoft uh, the press conference that just happened and you know just people want to see your reaction and that blows my mind because i was that person before it became the person sure
0: yeah yeah that is that is pretty wild um so that that's that's also just one of the the cool things uh you know you're talking about the xbox with it um, this generation has brought about, you know, the the integrated stuff where people can do that from their consoles. You know, if if you want to do that before, you either had to have a computer. Well, no, you just had to have a computer. Even if you wanted to mm-hmm. somehow stream consoles, you you know had to hook that up to like an Elgato or something into your PC and, and stream that way. Um, so that that's been really nice to just like basically allow anybody and everybody who wants to to stream uh, to be able to do so. Uh, which is is pretty awesome. And that that's really cool that you've been able to, to make it something where it's your, your main source of income. I imagine especially now um, in 2020 where things just continually catch on fire as we go throughout the year um, that that's been kind of a godsend because I wouldn't think that uh, the film industry is super like, hey, you know, come come work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right now, let's all crowd around this camera and get these shots off right <laughs> um, yeah it, so how it, how is that whole how is
0: that situation for for you right now
1: i mean when when covid started uh okay, so let me take it back three years ago, I ended up moving from the west coast to the east coast uh the west coast was my bread and butter for filmmaking and working on movies and commercials and music videos and you know, TV shows and all that kind of stuff. And then once I moved out to New York, the film culture is very um, city-based and it's all word of mouth of who knows you and who knows what you can do. And so when I moved to a whole new city, uh, it it was a really big challenge for me to overcome and I still have yet to overcome it, to not step on anyone's toes, but to let people know I'm here and I can do this particular job so while I've been in that process to introduce myself to the city for the last 3 years I have had streaming as my liaison or, or you know my my go between you know I had streaming as a side job and now it's become my main while my side job has become the film industry and it's been really nice especially with uh covid kind of happening it's it's kind of sucky to say that it's it's nice but because covid has happened most people are indoors. Most people are looking for Netflix or Hulu or their next TV shows or their next live broadcast or YouTube or Instagram and all these kind of stories and stuff that's available online. And Twitch, I feel like has kind of taken off. My channel is kind of, you know, hit. it's back on the up and up, uh, you know, streaming online and being a content creator is very, uh, it's very wavy. You can have your ups, you can have your lows. Um, but with COVID being a thing and people being at home and looking for content, some people are, you know, why finding themselves to my channel or finding my YouTube and finding, you know, ways to do it themselves. And they want to see people doing it. So it's been, it's been cool that new eyes are coming onto the platform and other streaming platforms. Um, so I'm very humbled that I have this job because a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people don't have that stable income and, and, you know, Twitch and streaming is not really stable. It's kind of like how I've always had it. I've always been a freelancer, And freelancing is always, you know, you you never know when your next paycheck's coming. I never know when my next subscriber's coming in. I never know when a donation's coming in or, you know, something like that. So I'm very much used to uh, the downtime and streaming has kind of just been this low with big waves of of positive and negative in terms of uh, income and whatnot. But I'm still able to treat it like my main source of income and it's, it's stable enough, and I'm very thankful that I have my wife who is, you know, uh, at my side doing her job, and we're very fortunate that streaming has been able to be something that I can do because I know 99% of the film industry is not working right now, right? Because they can't. You you can't be in that close quarters. You can't, and it's a really unfortunate situation. But I'm very fortunate that I've had streaming as a backup that has become my main source of uh income it's been it, it's been really nice but also i do miss working on set with my friends and sure creating a moving image
0: i can imagine i can imagine it's um but that is that is really awesome and, and i'm very happy to hear that everything is um is going well in the uh the activator household <laughs> as <laughs> yeah as far as things go so that's that's good so um well, I guess you know. Let's let's talk about movies for a little bit. Um, I know I saw on Twitter that you worked on Jurassic World, uh, but what are some other films that you've uh, been able to to work on? And what do you actually do um, on films?
1: Yeah. Um, so to name a few, I guess like I always kind of go to my biggest movies that I've worked on. So you know, most people know the name Jurassic World, and that's like the easiest go to thing for me to mention to someone like, hey, what do you do in the film industry? I'm like, oh, I worked on Jurassic World. I worked on this movie called Red Tails. I worked on this movie called Godzilla. Um, Now, I think Red Tails is a little lesser known, but it was one of the the more fun jobs that I worked on. Uh, It was this movie about these um, fighter pilots that were, uh, I, I guess... It, it it's hard to explain but the part the the section of this movie i worked on was a was a huge reshoot of the beginning of this movie called Red Tails and it was like this dog fighting in planes and uh it was these um these pilots that were trying to do some mission and the whole time i'm getting to work alongside the director who the reshoots director was George Lucas and it was it was super mind blowing to be growing up all my life, had having seen you know Star Wars and all that, and and then all of a sudden I'm on set with the guy that created Star Wars it was yeah. just this big mind explosion, um but it was really really cool. So I I looking back that was a very cool moment for me. However, um you know just the name Jurassic World alone is like oh uh, okay you worked out like you know what you're doing you must be doing something right, and I would like to think I'm doing something right. So in the film industry, I work as a camera assistant. Uh, there's usually two camera assistants. One's called the first AC, the first assistant cameraman, and there's the second one, which is the second assistant cameraman. Um, so I'm primarily primarily the, uh, the first AC, and I'm working as the person in charge of basically the camera department. I'm in charge of overseeing and managing all the camera gear, making sure everything's working, and uh, I kind of delegate responsibilities to my second AC, who helps me, you know, maybe swap a battery on the camera or, uh, you know, take the film magazine or the media that we're shooting onto and, you know, bringing it to our loader or our media manager to have them offload it. Um, but my main job on set is to make sure that whatever you're looking at, when you're sitting in the theater, looking at the big silver screen, whatever you're looking at is in focus. So when you're looking at a a character that's in focus or you're looking at an object that's in focus or when you see focus on something and it it changes to something else, that's all done by me. Uh, I'm the person directing where your eye is going with focus. And it it could seem kind of simple on paper when you have two people talking. Let's say you, you know, you think of some, you know, two people talking in a car and there's maybe a camera outside the window looking in, you kind of see both of them looking forward. Now there's a lot of, flexibility for my own personal storytelling how i read the script or however i guess the dp tells me to do it the the cinematographer i I get to change the focus to make you the viewer interact with the person that's in focus mentally in a weird way it's a really cool feature uh or a really cool thing that i get to do is i get to force people to be like hey my brain is thinking of this character in the passenger seat you guys should be there too so let me change the focus into the background Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, the person in the foreground who's not talking and is just listening, maybe the way that their eyes are moving or the way that they're reacting in a car is more important. So I change the focus or I rack the focus to the person in the foreground because maybe their reaction is more important than the person talking. So it, there's a lot of stylistic choice in a focus puller, which is what I do. But on top of that, yeah, then I'm I'm organizing all the camera gear, making sure everything's running, and I basically I'm the cinematographer's right hand man, or you know one of his right hand men to help get whatever shot he needs. If he needs the camera somewhere, if he needs the camera doing something, or lens a lens swap or anything like that, I'm his man. And uh, it's great. I, I love doing it, and I oh man, it makes me want to get back into it, and I'm sad that I won't <laughs> be able to- for a while. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. I, I did uh, a lot of video production in college, and actually when I when I graduated, I had, I had two job opportunities. One was a, a small television company in my, my hometown where I could go be a producer's assistant, uh, do like an internship for like six months unpaid, or uh, I had been doing IT while I was at college, and the other opportunity was to uh, go work at a, an IT shop. Um, and start making money immediately uh Mm -hmm. which was you know much more preferable considering there were you know like bills and stuff um so i did not go and do that but who knows i you know i i could be uh i could be the number two a camera assistant or something one day but, (laughs) but that that's another uh that's an alternate universe jonathan um but yeah, no keeping things in like, just keeping things in focus as people move on screen can be ridiculous. And it's like, I, I haven't watched, let's see, the last movie I went and saw at this point was birds of prey and the fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I always like to sit and watch the credits, even though like, I don't actually read everybody's name, but there's just, there's so much work that goes into a film. It's, it's kind of like saluting the, uh, all of those people. Yeah. So, um, hats off to you and, and everybody that, that makes movies. It's, um, I love movies. I love watching, watching movies and you know, it it requires a lot of work.
1: It's wild how many of these people actually don't meet face to face, though. When you're reading sure. those credits, a lot of those people those are like small, little, offset off to the side, doing these like smaller shoots that all come together in a giant production. Yeah. Um, you know, not always the case, but you know, there is always the main crew that is doing the main work, but there's always these subset or you know smaller groups that break off. Like when I was working on Godzilla, um, I had a crew of maybe four to five people and we were literally just jumping around from rooftop to rooftop around San Francisco, g- taking still images, uh, these things called bracketed still images where you take like multiple different exposures of the same image. Uh, but we did that throughout, a, uh, throughout the day so that in post-production they could take uh, a night shot and remove all of the lights in a building because we had taken photos earlier in the day they basically like composed both the two images on top of each other to make it look like San Francisco was at night and there's no power. That, um, that
0: makes sense. That, so, that seems like a really smart way to do that because I always hate it in TV shows where, you know, it's, it's supposed to be nighttime or it's supposed to be a blackout and you can tell that it's just like yeah, day uh, but darkened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and sometimes you got to work with what you got. I mean, that, sure, that sure. comes down to like what you have available and what the you know, what the requirements are, if you can get a permit to shoot at a certain time and what your cinematographer can or can't do. And there, there's always ways around it, but it's it, th- that's the part that I really like. I like trying to solve those problems mm-hmm. rather than rely on post-production to fix it. Sure. Um, you know, the classic fix it in post is something i look down upon, but fix, adding in post is really beneficial where you can take something that is shot in daytime and make it look night, but it's it can be tricky. Right. Um, that's,
0: that's, that's really cool. So you mentioned red tails as being one of your, your favorite movies to work on. What are, what are some other ones that kind of stand out to
1: you, whether or not they were, you know, big films or, or not. There was this movie back, I want to say in 2009 called us. Uh, I don't know if the movie actually kept that title or that name. They might've actually changed it, but, um, it was this movie that it was my first feature film on my own where I was working as the first AC, um, and it was a really cool feature. It was when the uh, the Canon 5D Mark II came out. It was like the first time people really started trying to shoot on uh, little DSLRs and stuff. It was really a wild experience because most people were working with like these big ENG shoulder cameras or they're working with film cameras or like, you know, higher end video cameras. But then like this 5D came out and it opened up this this world of having this really tiny camera with a big sensor and getting this really shallow depth of field. And man, I couldn't have had a more challenging experience on that film because I'm working with this camera and these lenses that we're putting on it are stills lenses from Nikon. And so my brain, when I'm changing focus, I have like a thing where, you know, I roll the focus wheel forward and it racks, you know, uh it racks uh, closer to me. And if I pull towards the operator... Pull it pushes the focus out, but with Nikon lenses, it was backwards. So like my whole mm. brain was trying to like figure out all this new information and and taking these still lenses and trying to make them look really cinematic. And it was a really fun uh, couple of uh, month or so of filming, getting to work with uh, some really cool crew and getting to work with some really cool um, actors and director. And it was just it was a huge experience for me. Just to to go from beginning to end, it was my first movie where I was just very happy with everything I was doing. And I thought that everything I had done before, prior to that was this big uh, training session that led me to work on that film and to try to do my all and my best, to put my best work in it. And I thought I did a really good job, um, given with what I was being tasked with as my first feature film ever, working from day one to day whatever 30 uh, 40 um it was just a really i i I will never forget that film because of how many people i got to meet and how much uh bonding and stories and everything i got to do with these people um it was a really good it was a really good time in my life and it was a really just it was euphoric in a sense because of what i accomplished for myself
0: sure absolutely absolutely and that that just sounds awful uh as far as the um the direction of, of racking the shot because that's that's like playing uh, you know, games inverted and you know the game won't let you change it. It's just like no, it's inverted and you're going to do it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: But you know, there's you know, a a lot more at stake than you just being bad at a game. Um, that's <laughs> like that's that sounds awful. <laughs> um very nice. So so you got into um to streaming about five years ago. Uh, What type of games do you like to stream?
1: Oh, so that I guess that's a that's an ever evolving question. You know, every it's kind of like you know any person that plays games. You always have like your favorite, and then you kind of you find a new favorite, and you find maybe a new favorite. But when I started, I was very much just open to anything. Uh, But I started to gravitate towards this game called H One Z One. It was very much a uh, a zombie survival game, but it had this little mode in it called battle royale. That had never really been done very to the the extreme. It, it was like the first time I'd ever heard of like that type of, uh, I guess, game mode being battle royale. So I'm pretty I started, sure that was
0: the first time anybody heard of that, wasn't it? Yeah, was, I, I, that's, that's I the progenitor. I think.
1: <laughs> I think there were there were some games before that had like an idea or a concept. I think the old uh, ArmA two mod DayZ had a uh, a survival. I forget what it's called. It's some survivor games I think is what they used to call it mm. and it was very similar to battle royale um but yeah the official first battle royale thing I think might have been h1z1 so I started there and I loved it and I was really good at it um I I, I know the guys from back in the day uh that used to play it I was participating in the first ever competition for the game back in 2015 at twitchcon 2015 and you know, played alongside Ninja, played alongside Tim the Tatman and all the top guys um, that were playing H1Z1 at the time. And it was really fun. I was the I was the oddball in this giant sea of content creators that I should have had no place in being there, but I, I got a very lucky chance to have my own seat by you know partaking in some uh, some games before the actual tournament day. Um but from there, so so I've always been a battle royale broadcaster. After H1Z1 came PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds, and I got partnered with them in their alpha state, and that really pushed my stream uh, to a new level, giving me a lot more features that a normal, everyday PUBG player wouldn't get. Like, I would be able to host my own custom games and have people come in, and I'd be able to change settings and do team games and shoutcast over everybody playing, and that really boosted my channel a lot. And I was able to, to host these tournaments every Saturday, and I started putting money on the line for people, and it was a lot of fun. But then at a certain point, I started getting kind of burnt down on Battle Royale, and I started to test the waters. All the while, I've, I've always been testing the waters. Like usually on Fridays, I always try to like throw in a little bit of a mixture of something new, like horror games or some sort of new game. And uh, after PUBG, I really started to go hard on Variety. And just trying new games. I found this game called Rainbow Six Siege, and it was from you know Ubisoft, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege is a phenomenal game, and I just didn't know what I was doing. But today, that is my primary main game, and I just, I like it a lot. The realistic, you know, you, you shoot somebody, and they may take one or two or maybe three hits before they're, you know, dead, and it, it just, it feels good. It felt like... I could build my skill on this and hopefully become something good at this game all the while trying to still be an entertainer on the side. So I'm able to not focus so hard that I can't pay attention or that I, that I don't pay attention to my audience, but I'm able to push my personality while playing the game and have a good time doing it. That's that's what I've always wanted to wanted to do. I didn't, I've never wanted to be so like good at a game that I'm not focusing on what my audience kind of wants. Sure. I always want to be someone that's interacting with them more than I want to be good at a video game. So that's always my primary focus is my audience before any game comes into play. It's my audience, then the game. And yeah. So right now shooters have always been a big thing for me. And right now I'm stuck on rainbow six siege. I love the game. It's a lot of fun. I get to play with my friends and it's really fun to grow on that.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Did you, uh, did you play previous rainbow six games?
1: uh i think i i may have dabbled in a little bit here and there but rainbow six siege i felt like uh, to me i've never i never played a multiplayer game like that before like when i think of rainbow six uh before that i always thought of like these single player call of duty battlefield campaign type stories and it was okay but i never like really wanted to play it okay um but then yeah my friends you know turned me to the game i tried it out i thought it was cool i really liked the you know setting up your base and having people infiltrate that base kind of tactic in my brain um so i i i just gravitated towards liking Rainbow Six Siege more than the old campaign Rainbow Six games i guess Sure, sure. yeah
0: but uh you know they, they have to trade off so i mean obviously people like it uh i haven't i haven't been a part of Rainbow Six um since they stopped being you know story driven games yeah 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 was, that was my jam. My, my cousin um, <laughs> had the original Rainbow Six back in the day. And oh, so man. I would play that every time I would go over to his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to use cheat codes. Um, and I still, I don't remember all of them, but I remember five finger discount uh, was unlimited ammunition.
1: Nice.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I did not understand what that, uh, what those words meant
1: um, <laughs> sure 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 as a kid
0: i was just like that's funny that's that's a weird it's <laughs> a weird you know phrase for cheap right. code <laughs> but um but that's good i'm, I'm glad uh I'm glad people are enjoying it actually uh recently as you kind of mentioned ubisoft had their kind of conference thing in lieu of e3 um and one of the guys that i was watching the the stream with was talking about kind of the community uh for rainbow six and, and I, I don't pay any attention to Rainbow Six anymore because like I said I I, I generally play story driven games. I, I'm not a huge multiplayer fan. Um because I've I don't know, I've always found that I, I like just to kind of bounce around with stuff and so if I'm gonna play multiplayer then I want to win. Uh like to have you know have fun. And in order to have to, to win then I need to be good at it. And that means I need to play that game just a lot more than I traditionally play any one game. Um, but uh, he he was saying that that community has a pretty bad reputation for um, just toxicity and stuff like that. What have you found as far as the, the community goes? Um, and I don't know what, not what can people do to make it better, because obviously, it's, you know, just don't be dick uh the solution to being nice is, is just be nice really but um i don't know how, how's the community for you really oh, really long <laughs> convoluted uh story and and question there just to no, say no, no, no. how is the I guess, rainbow six siege community <laughs>
1: i guess i'm just trying to think about it. it it's uh it's all over the place when you when i think of the rainbow six community There's a lot of great people and there's a lot of bad (laughs) people. Um, there's, There's the people who love to play together and love to work together and love to have fun. And then there's the very toxic side of the community that's kind of unfortunate. You know, Rainbow Six is not a super expensive game. So I think a lot of people can get access to the game and not worry about being banned and not worry about how they're acting in game because they can always buy another account. Mm. Um, And that's, that's kind of unfortunate, but at the same time, it's really nice to be able to get new players in because of uh, the price changes. And, you know, you can get the game for, you know, seven to $10, uh, you know, upwards of a hundred dollars. If you really want to, you know, buy all the content and everything, but you know, it's, it's for me, when I think of the people that I play with, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's literally just me hanging out with my homies and being able to, roll together and work together and try to do things together to you know win the objective and you know if you're playing by yourself this game is very challenging it, it, this game really relies on you communicating with your teammates communicating uh you know what's happening in the game and if you're playing by yourself i can see it being very tough and being very unforgiving with your teammates um you know you can type in a little text chat and you can tell people hey, good game, or you have people that are typing, to be like, oh, you're so bad, why are you doing this, what are you doing, Um, and make you feel like absolute trash, which sucks, you know, it's a very unfortunate situation, but that's just gamers in general um, who will always try to troll you or make you, you know, feel bad about your gameplay over their gameplay, and, but, you know, as for making it better, I honestly don't really know the solution of changing someone's mindset in a game. It's 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 pretty tough to give the the player the option to not have someone they're playing with be toxic. Sure. Um, but it's also really pleasing when you're in a game and you're with someone you don't know, and your interaction and just talking to them is a lot of fun. Like yeah, I've I've had plenty of good conversations with people in games, just messing around and having a good time. I've I've learned a lot about random people. And it's been fun, but you also do get the really toxic people. And I don't know how you I don't know how you live moderate voice comms. I, I I don't know the solution to that other than the reporting features that Rainbow Six offers now. And you know, this this goes with any game. You know, to report somebody, you have to have way more detailed, a way more reported, uh, way more detailed reported uh aspect of the game. It can't just be report for, you know, voice comms, report for text chat. I need like specifics. I need to like give an example or not give an example, but I need to be able to say like I want to report this guy because he used this word in this sentence while he was talking to me about this so-and-so and so. I need more I need more. <laughs> I need more options. Um so it it's there's good and bad, but with the bad, I still like the game enough that I have the option to mute everybody. I don't have to look at text chat, I don't have to listen to people talk. And there's they're they're building on aspects to have people work together in game and have call-outs with, like, little pinging systems in the game, kind of like the game Apex, being able to say, like, hmm. hey, there's a thing here, hey, there's a gun here, here, there's a this, that. Um, I think they're bringing that in slowly because right now there's just, like, a simple waypoint marker, like, something is here. Um, but other than that, players that don't use mics or anything like that, there's no real way to communicate other than text chat, but that can get toxic as hmm. well. So Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. I... I... Because I, I don't play a ton of multiplayer stuff, I don't think about a lot of the issues. But, you know, just thinking about it, I mean, psychologists have shown for a long time that, like, positive enforcement for behavior is a, a better kind of guide, a better reinforcement for mm-hmm. uh, changing behavior from from bad to good rather than negative reinforcement. So, you know, kicking somebody out when they do something, when they're toxic, uh, is not actually going to be as effective in changing the person as somehow positively reinforcing good behavior but like how in the world would you even do that and then like you said you know having you really need a lot of detail to be able to kind of say what somebody did and what happened um and then you know on a on an xbox or a playstation uh, you just create a new username. If you've got the disc mm-hmm. version of the game, then you know you don't have to buy it again. You just make a new account and and you go from there. If you're on PC, you make a new Ubisoft account and buy the game again for you know seven or eight dollars, and you're you're back up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's yeah, that that is uh, I don't know. It's one of those situations that that is not obviously it's complicated because nobody's fixed it yet but it's like that's just
1: absolutely uh, and and it, hmm. can, it can be really fun but you know mixing it with streaming is something different too i mean you, sure. you have to work with these people that are toxic while i'm broadcasting and also work with like you know the fun or the more fun side of things where you get to kind of play around and uh you know make people laugh by having these random stories with people but True. There have been times where, you know, it it can be an awkward situation for a broadcaster to have someone, you know, in your voice comms yelling out profanity. It could it could get nasty. Yeah. And it has. And you know, or you just get really these uh these moments and granted, you know, knock on wood, it never happens again, but you know, I've had the a couple moments in the past where, you know, people really dig into you in a way that is belittling and it, it could it like changes your 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 mindset while you're streaming too, like people are watching your reaction to this and it's kind of, it, it sucks. And a big thing brought up in the past was like women that play Siege, like anytime they talk in game, they, you know, 80, 90% of the time they get this reaction from the people they're playing with in such a negative light that I, I it it sucks. It sucks that people have to you know, as a broadcaster, you have to almost mute yourself or mute them and not talk and not be able to give it your all because of the potential toxicity that could be thrown your way, sure, um so I think that's that's something that they need to work on, but i I'm not the one to have that solution. I don't know <laughs> yeah you know, I, I don't know how to change people's mindsets, you know,
0: yeah, absolutely, but um yeah, yeah. Hmm internet is a, a wonderful and terrible place
1: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah agreed <laughs>
0: uh, well uh on to, on to happier things there have yeah. been a lot of cool there have been a lot of cool games that have come out this year uh what are some of your favorite things that you've played uh new this year whether whether it came out this year or not which is what's something what's some good stuff you've been playing
1: um, you know, it, I, I, so I, I do gravitate towards playing a lot of Rainbow Six Siege, but when I'm not doing that, I do try to find the newest releases, the new games or something that I can really get my community to back, uh, in or to like, you know, to get involved in. Um, I did get into this game called Escape from Tarkov. Uh, it was a very fun, you know, realistic military kind of simulator with, you know, kind of battle royale aspects to it. But uh, you know, also kind of a daisy aspect to it. But it it was really fun. It was a really good shooter. I I enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, other other, I'm always trying to play the new games that come out. So anytime a new triple A title comes out, I'll try to jump on it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always excited to see what's coming down the pipeline. Um, but you know what? I mean, to be honest, man, my world's been in Rainbow Six Siege. It's been in Tarkov for a little bit I I was really into PUBG for a long time Mm -hmm. and to find something new that holds my attention is really tough these days but there are games that still bring this like real fun factor back into my my world you know something like Resident Evil making their remakes Mm -hmm. I've been loving that it's been so cool to relive my childhood horror kind of fantasy (laughs) of playing as Leon Kennedy finding Claire Redfield and and having all these these really cool moments, um, you know, re- revisiting older games has been fun. But you know, this the new AAA titles. I'm trying to play them all. I, I want to play them all, but they are getting you know a little pricey. And you know, I I heard that there's speculation that the the prices may be going up to like seventy dollars a game. So I don't know if that's going to happen. So it prices also limit like what I want to play. Sure, but um. The the most recent game that I've come across that I've really, really enjoyed was The Last of Us Two. Mm. And it seems like a lot of people, you know, I would never I would never spoil the game, but it seems like a lot of people are very either hit or miss with the game. There's no real in-between.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm very much that it's a hit. Um yeah. I thought thought the devs did a, a fantastic job telling a story that I thought was really great. And I thought there were moments in there that I was really gonna hate, and I started to understand and it just took me in this this whole new world that i didn't think was going to be possible um given the situation that the game takes you on and and puts you through uh it was it was a really enjoyable experience and i think a lot of people wanted something that they didn't see outright and they thought they were kind of being uh you know scammed a little bit with the content that was provided with the the last of us 2 and i just thought i thought it was a phenomenal experience and i i wish i could replay it again Without knowing the game, just because I had that much fun sure. spending, you know, two and a half days straight playing the game.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I actually, I got to review it, and that was, um, that was well, one that was just stressful because you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a Naughty Dog game, it's a big, you know, I had to sign like twelve NDAs uh, <laughs> before they <laughs> gave me the code and. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. But it was uh yeah i I don't want to spoil the game because i when when I wrote my review i I put very like I put less about the story than I think I was actually allowed like far less mm-hmm. because I think it's one of those types of games that it it's best to go into blind um Absolutely. i don't I don't think spoilers ruin it in any aspect like i'm i don't know it's the the twists in the games aren't like the sixth sense where oh my God Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Sure. Uh, which, if I just spoiled the six cents for somebody, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, but, dang Fun. <laughs> I've
1: never seen uh, it before.
0: <laughs> but um, and and I think this is one where if you know everything that happens, like it doesn't ruin it because it, it's not those types of twists. Um, sure. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it was interesting though. I, I think I don't know. I think there's like a very shallow kind of like reason that some people get angry Mm -hmm. uh, at the game and I I don't know it's when when I was reading it or when I was playing it it was one of my concerns was it's like okay this story is, is really kind of about like cyclical violence and about um, kind of reaping what you sow and like just kind of a perpetual reaping and sowing of violence. Yeah. If, if I, if you do violence to me, I do violence to you. And since I did violence to you, you're now going to do violence to me and just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until everybody's dead. Um, but at the same time, like I think they made a really fun and engaging third person, action shooting game like uh i think it's probably their their best one yet it's it's uh the stealth is really good and like i the the first game i feel like stealth is kind of cheating like because it's it's a really easy stealth game Mm. um and this one with the dogs and everything it becomes a lot more uh, engaging and kind of the ability to to lay down and, and grass and stuff like that. You can you can very easily like engage in combat and kind of draw back and and lay traps and and do all kinds of stuff. And and I really enjoyed that. And there was this kind of like conflicting, uh, I don't know, this this is, or just this conflict for me with the game where it's like okay, the the game is telling me that violence is bad, but then it's <laughs> rewarding me for being really good at violence, yes. um, which is it you know that's kind of a problem in a lot of AAA games where the main source of conflict is 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 you know fighting, um, but I don't know I guess like one of my big worries is that people were kind of gonna miss the forest for the trees with that is like you're not gonna hear the story about um, about cyclical violence and about reciprocity uh, and just enjoy the violence that you do but it it seems like. I completely missed that in terms of what people were going to draw issue with in the game. Sure, sure. Um, and um, yeah, uh, but uh, I was I was definitely surprised what I got about halfway through the game, and then I was like, oh wait, um, mm-hmm. oh the game just okay. That's interesting. <laughs> it's I yeah. thought I was done. <laughs> I am not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was it was very it was a it was a pleasurable um frustration that uh I I don't know. I I it was very weird and I I thought that I couldn't relate to a character later on down the line and it was very uh it was it was wild what yeah. they did with the game to take you on this adventure and the story to you know make you look at more sides than just I have this revenge, you know
0: yeah and and i've it's... seen I've seen some people draw issues saying that you know th- basically the game makes you do things that you as a person as a as a player don't want to do and mm. I remember there there's there's two big kind of fights uh in the game, and in both of them, I was just like, okay, if this person like if I have to kill this other person, I'm gonna be so mad like i don't like I don't want to win this fight. I want the game yeah. to just stop right now. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. And I don't know. Some some people have said that that's bad, but like I don't know. The fact that the game kind of makes you feel that is like that's that's incredible. Like I I don't get to battles like that. I don't get to boss battles in games where it's just like I really don't want to hurt this person.
1: <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah, this is not this is not a cookie cutter game. It, no. it is something that really breaks the norm. And I think a lot of the negative reviews revolve around people wanting the 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 ending that they thought they deserved when i think the ending that they had was very uh strong i I thought it was really really cool to see this whole thing come to an end in the way that it did and i'm 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 super pleased with what naughty dog was trying to do and change up here but yeah it was a great game
0: i agree i agree (laughs) um yeah, I guess kind of the, the next big game is uh, Ghost of Sh- Tsushima, which uh, will probably ha- be like out by the time this podcast comes out. It'll probably have just released uh, pretty recently. So yeah, I'm pretty we'll excited soon. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like at, from this recording, I think it's in a week or something like that. Um, so just around the corner or maybe less than that. I, I have no idea. I'm terrible with release dates. But, um, <laughs> I remember years that games come out, but when it comes time for uh you know games actually releasing and i don't know like the last year or so games have not been releasing on tuesdays and that just confuses me because games have always released on tuesdays i was
1: always right and that was something i did with my streams Uh, i always like all right tuesday what's the new game what's the new game coming out and i knew it was always gonna be a tuesday so i was like okay i'll go live a little bit early so i can get access to this game and be one of the first people to stream it yeah now things are coming out on you know wednesdays yeah. thursdays sundays saturdays and you know you never know
0: yeah which i mean like that's that's cool it's just it's just yeah. confusing i'm I'm old I'm not, not mm-hmm. that old but i feel old when i think about stuff like that i understand well, cool. anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're, you're changing things i'm not not <laughs> ready for this
1: <laughs>
0: um all right well that was that was a good discussion about uh the last of us i appreciate that I, just, I needed that um so I, I think it's time to to move on to the end game, which is, is my favorite part of the show uh, and these are a bunch of kind of like random ish questions um and the first one's pretty simple they're they're all relatively difficult though uh but the first one is if you could sit down and have drinks with a video game character, who would you like to have drinks with?
1: oh man uh that's that's tough man that y- you think that's an easy question, but that's way well, hard no,
0: well, I said it's simple like I, not easy in that it's easy to answer, but it's it's sure. easy to under, some of them are difficult. To, I have to explain. So,
1: I I, I honestly uh, I think it would it would probably be Ellie or Joel from The Last of Us. Yeah. I think both of them go through this this change, and I would love to get in their heads more and figure out like why they made certain choices and and for me just to react to their choices. Uh, I I think it'd be really pleasant, and, but they're they're both human, and I would love to just like sit down and pick their brains about stuff. I mean, obviously that's not going to happen, but you know, it it was, it was a really cool, I I just, I want to experience, I want to know more about them.
0: That's great. I like it. I like it. Um, Okay. So you've already mentioned the last of us too. So you can't use that here, but if you could play any game again for the first time, uh, so you get that fresh experience again, what, what would you like it to be?
1: (sighs) Um, Let me see. And that's also tough, dude.
0: (laughs) Uh, see, th- this is one of the times where fixing it in post is a great thing. Cause I can just delete silence. <laughs> sure. sure. sure.
1: <laughs> um, let me, g- give me just like 30 seconds to think about it. Sure. No problem. Um, you know what? I, I think a-, a really cool game, I would love to erase my memory and go back in time and get my head and, and, and just my hands on a controller with would be metal gear solid. Mm. Um, you know, for the, the PlayStation when it originally came out, uh, that that entire story was such a trip and it used such different mechanics in a game that I never thought was a thing. Something as simple as a boss fight, having to change your memory card to a different slot to defeat a boss or to change your controller slot to a different slot to beat a boss. That blew my mind. Yeah, And like, not only that, but just like the stories behind it and just this huge mystery of this game and also like the good tactical combat and like tricking enemies and just everything as a whole Metal Gear Solid really pushed it for me as a a huge game that did a lot to get me engaged with the game and I would love to experience that again I mean just you know there's like a love story aspect to it there's this almost brotherly aspect to it There's, there's so much with it and I experienced it while with my brother so I just it was even this like bond between my brother and i playing and watching this game together that was just a really cool experience i would love to go back and do it all over again
0: nice that you know uh you saying that it's it's kind of wild that nobody has announced any like remakes of at least the original metal gear solid game like Mm -hmm. i know there was the one for the gamecube back in the day Mm -hmm. um but you know that i don't know that seems like like low-hanging fruit, not necessarily to actually make, but in terms <laughs> of just popularity of like, you could get a lot of hype for announcing a Metal Gear Solid remake. Sure, um, but I guess you know, Konami just doesn't want money or something. I don't know.
1: I um, really hope. I really hope Silent Hill makes it happen. I think it's happening, but I really hope that whole production from PT happens somewhere in the future. That was such a cool concept coming out on uh, PS4 as a little teaser. That PT. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And then, uh, you know, maybe someday we'll see the light of that.
0: Maybe, maybe. Um, okay, so what what is a uh, what is a game franchise or series uh, that you've always kind of wanted to play or you feel like you need to play, but you haven't? So like a, a blind spot.
1: Oh man, dude, people give me the, a lot of trouble for this, but Zelda, Legend of Zelda, m- most of those games I've only touched maybe a couple of hours of all of them combined. Um, I think a lot of people <laughs> give me a lot of trouble for that. You know, I played a little bit of Breath of the Wild, and I've never touched any other Zelda besides that. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I would love to get more involved. I think a lot of people have a lot of respect for that game, have a lot of memories of that game. And I just never, I didn't have a 64 growing up. I had a PlayStation, you know, I, I wasn't a Nintendo person. So I just never had my hands on it. I didn't really know what it was. I was one of the people who thought, "Oh, Zelda, that's the main guy." Got it, you know? <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know for so long until uh, you know I started getting more involved with it, and now I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's actually Link." Not okay. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah, I get it now. You know, I'm- <laughs> but you know, I I would love to give that game more time. Nice. Nice.
0: That's actually. Um, a lot of times I have to explain that question, and that is one of the examples that I give for a blind spot that I have. So oh, <laughs> <that's, thanks. laughs> that and Final Fantasy; those are probably my, probably my yep. two biggest. That you know, was my runner up. Never touched. <laughs> um, all right. So what is a what is a good trend in video games that you would like to see more of? Something that a particular game, maybe it's you know destructive environments and. Rainbow Six Siege or you know, something like that. Whatever the case may be, uh, something that you just wish more games did.
1: I wish more games could figure out ways of making new modes. I mean, I'm so I'm so stuck and bored of deathmatch and capture the flag and battle royale. Which when I started streaming it, it was like the new thing. And today, when Fortnite was like big, and when Apex came out, like now everyone's like, you know, they're starting to get a little bored of BR. I think, um, but I just want to see new game, new modes. You know, I I want to see someone come out with something innovative that hasn't been seen before, hasn't been done before as big as something like Deathmatch or something like, you know, Battle Royale. And I don't know what that is. And I'm hoping someday someone can figure that out. Um, I just, I want that new mode, that new passion to get back into a multiplayer game and experience. Um, And I just, I haven't seen it in a long time.
0: This is just kind of like a random um, side story thought, but I remember when Halo Two came out and it had assault, which is you know mm. basically backwards capture the flag. Um, I don't know every first person shooter that I had played up to that point. You had deathmatch, you had team deathmatch, and you had uh, capture the flag. Sometimes king of the hill, and you know that was like your quadrilogy of of modes. Yeah. Um. And so here was this th- this mode that was was basically just capture the flag backwards, but it ended with an explosion. I was like this is—they <laughs> can make new modes. What? Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And 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 when so when I got my hands on Rainbow Six Siege, it was, it was such a weird concept. I'm like oh, I so I fortified a base. Now people are attacking me. Oh, and then now we swap, and now I attack their base. But then we're defusing a bomb that they have at their base. That's weird. Okay, it was just really uh, it was really different and new. And I think I'm still on that high. I still mm. like that. Um, but I, I, I really hope something new comes out somewhere in the near future.
0: Sure, sure. Um, all right, is there a, uh, kind of the opposite of that? Is there a trend that you wish you could see less of or a trope that you could wish would just go away?
1: Um, I, okay, kind of, kind of two things that are very different. Uh, one, I want to see less Battle Royale. I think people are kind of latching onto that and trying to go with it, and I feel like it's already kind of done. But I think the, the general population is just kind of still, their toes are still dipped into the water for it, and I'm already, you know, drying off with my, you know, my towel. But uh, so that, and I I just wish I could see some sort of trend of hackers just stopping, <laughs> just stop ruining games. I just I just want the game to be normal i don't i don't want to worry about someone potentially cheating the system to get an advantage and i don't think i'm ever going to see the data that's not a thing because you know people always just want to win they want to be the best even if they're the fake best at something and uh it's it's unfortunate and i think hacking even with a brand new game something like valorant that came out pretty recently you know there, there was hackers in that game before it even actually launched and it's it was wild and i I just I'm so upset that it's still happening um but you know what can you do? There's always someone that wants to break the rules
0: yep that is true yep that is true um all right so you've you've gotten to work in the film industry, you get to play video games um as a as your day job, but um if you could get to do anything else, what's another profession that you would just like to give a shot?
1: Uh, um I mean I I've I've been working on movies for so long, I've been playing games for so long, and I would love to have that go between that's the the creation process of a game in terms in terms of like a, a narrative or being able to live out my fantasy of Designing a story and having uh, it be something playable uh, i i I would love to take the best of both worlds i mean I, I, c- cinematography and filmmaking is a huge passion of mine gaming is a huge passion and when I play games you know something as uh, something like uncharted or or something of that scope just seeing that that can be brought together in a really cinematic and also fun way i I want to be a part of that creation process I would love to create my own story and put it down onto paper, but then have that translated into a, a cinematic format in a game. Uh, I, I, I know that's kind of still in the world that I'm already in, but I mean, that, that, that would be my alternate. If I wasn't streaming and I wasn't working on movies, I would love to be working on games. Um, and I can't really see anything else that I would want to be doing. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've been a skateboarder for a long time. I think at the very, <laughs> at the very worst uh, or the very weirdest situation, I would love to be a professional skateboarder, but never get hurt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you, uh, are you excited for the new skate game then?
1: Absolutely. As soon as that skate four comes out, I mean, it's, it's been, you know, people have been dying for that game ever since skate three. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. There are some other games out there that tried and are still trying. Um, but you know, i i love me some skate nice
0: very good um so there's one more question but it will potentially involve some spoilers so i want to go ahead and do kind of the the end of the show bit here where i thank you for coming on to the show and then ask you uh you know where can people go to to find you so thank you for for being on the show and chatting with me and where can people find um you know you on twitch and twitter and all that kind of good stuff
1: Hey, I, I appreciate this whole thing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you guys ever want to come find me, I'm usually streaming throughout the week on uh, twitch.tv slash activator. That's activator with an E, not an O. It's the internet. It's hard to lock in the perfect name. But, you know, uh, you can find me there. And you can also, if you're ever learning uh, or want to learn about filmmaking or how to light your own streams or anything like that, you can go check out my YouTube at youtube.com slash activator. And you can see all my tutorials there on how to... Start streaming, or how to light your streams, or how to light, uh, you know, your vlogs, or anything like that. I try to teach the skills that I have, uh, in a video format. So I'll check both of those out.
0: That's really cool. I didn't even check out your YouTube and realize that you did that. I there would have been so many more questions, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we're already at uh, a good time here, so we're we're not gonna just drag this out. But uh, hey. thanks again for chatting with me. So, uh, so spoiler alert for the last of us two. Okay. Everybody, if you don't, Mm -hmm. if you haven't played it or you don't want stuff spoiled or whatever the case may be, uh, then you can, you can leave now. We've already done the end (laughs) of the show. Um, all right. So, uh, the final question is you get to meet and, uh, or your, your drinking buddy from earlier in the, the show, uh, you get to meet them, ask them a question and get their response. So you get to talk to Joel and Ellie. Uh, what, if you could ask each one of them a question, what would it
1: be? I think for Joel, uh, in the end, I would ask him, are you satisfied with all your decisions you've made? Mm -hmm. Um, I think he made a lot of heavy decisions, and I would love to kind of get into his mind. I think I understand mentally where he was at, and I would just love to dive deeper into that with you know, choosing, you know, Ellie's life over potentially the world's, you know, yeah. I, I, I get it, I get it from a, a love aspect and I, I just want to dive deeper into it. Um, and for Ellie, I kind of had my question answered towards the end of the game where, uh, I, I, I had this question kind of for her in the back of my mind, like, would you ever forgive Joel mm. for everything he's done? And you get a very small moment where she's like, I'd like to try to rebuild our, our connection.
0: Yeah.
1: And then just immediately seeing Joel's reaction to that was just like, that's all he wants. Yeah. And it was such a, a powerful moment. And so I'm not, I'm not even sure if that's really answering your question about Ellie. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's really uh, cause I kind of got my answer. Sure. Um, sure. I guess I would I would maybe ask her, you know, are you happy with the decisions that you made as well? I I I kind of want to everyone's mindset changes and just to see how that game played out. I mean, you see her go from the revenge to I'm going to let this go mm-hmm. because I don't need to have this endless cycle continue. Right. Um and so I I would love to her brain as well just to be like you know are you are you happy with stopping that revenge process there are you are you okay with letting what happened to joel happen you know are you you know i i, I would love to get those answers mm-hmm.
0: absolutely yeah i um i i really loved that moment uh with the two of them on the porch at the very end oh. of the game because the the, the game kind of i guess one of the the twist that is there is kind of realizing what Ellie's mind state is at different points in the game. You know, you start off thinking that she doesn't know what Joel did in the first game. Mm -hmm. And, and then you realize that she did know. And so, you know, is, is that just part of her anger? that, like, I don't know. She didn't get to kill him or something like that. Um, and then you get that bit at the end where she's, you know not she hasn't come to peace but she's trying to come to peace with with what he did and so so like you said you know it's i don't know if i can forgive you but i, I want to try and and then that that attempt that attempt to try was was robbed from her um and and when i got to what the second time i thought was the end of the game and and you you have your little farmhouse with dina and mm-hmm. uh, you sit out on a tractor with uh, jj and I probably sat there for like seven or eight minutes because I thought that was the end. Like yeah. and, I, and I just sat there and I was just like, I, I guess I mean the credits are gonna roll at, at, at some point. There's there's no prompt telling me to get off the tractors, so like this is this is good. She 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 gave it up. She didn't like she didn't completely become Joel. That's that's mm-hmm. great and then she did. <laughs> but then again at the the last moment uh you get that last bit of uh that that last nugget of truth. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, no, it's just there there's so many things in that game where it just it, it takes characters places you don't want them to go. It's it's not comfortable. And like yeah. I get that. I get not being comfortable with that, but you're not supposed to be. Like that's the kind of the beauty of that, that story is it takes you to some really nasty, uncomfortable places.
1: I, um, I never thought that game was going to make me remotely think twice about Ellie and her decision-making. Yeah. And when, you, when you're Abby and you're, you're in a whole different world, I you know, at first I was like, I, I, there's no way game. You're going to make me like Abby. There's no way. <laughs> but then you, you, you're forced along this journey and you're like, Oh dang, dude. Like, Ellie, what did you do, man? Like, this yeah. is what you did? Dang. And I actually started to, like, look, and, you know, by the end of the game, I'm very happy both women are alive.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think- at, at the end of Abby's story, when you when you get to the theater and I'm fighting Ellie, it's like, yeah. if this game makes me kill Ellie, I am going to be so pissed because, like, yeah. I get it. Like, it's she's not the good guy. But I'm mm. not, like, I don't know. I think, like, in – to a degree, Abby is more morally in the right than Ellie, but she's also not like completely in the right. She's done some mm-hmm. bad stuff too. Um, so it's like I, I don't want to do this, and then then it didn't. Lev shows up and saves the day. I was like, oh thank God. And yeah, you know, then you have the nice farmhouse uh, scene, and then then you go to uh, was Southern California. Mm-hmm. And you have the whole big fight there in the the water, and it's just like, no, like I don't want to kill Abby either. Game, stop making me do bad stuff.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was terrible. But it, it, and that's such a simple moment of you yeah. you going toe to toe with her in the, in the water, and then you're thinking like, well, Lev is just sitting there in the boat, like. <laughs> so if she does kill Abby, is she also going to kill Lev? Yeah, or is she going to let Lev go, and then it's going to be the whole revenge again? Exactly. And then uh, I think that process goes through Ellie. And I think that's why in the end she lets her go. Like she's done with the, she gets that very subtle flash of Joel being happy. And she's like, you know what? I can let this go. Yeah. I can let Abby do her thing. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, now's the, uh, the real end of the show <laughs> for anybody that hung around. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, and chatting uh, about all this different stuff, including the the Last of Us, that was a we ha- we haven't done a like deep dive on, on the Dark Cast for that, so I, th- I think I actually I really needed that and didn't realize it. <laughs> but um, but uh, thanks and and best of luck as you continue to stream and you know just live in the craziness that our World is. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think that I think that does it.
1: Yeah, th- thank you so much. This was uh, a wonderful. Uh, experience and it, much like you, uh, that <laughs> talking about The Last of Us in that sort of uh, fashion was very, very helpful because I know the game's still pretty fresh and yeah. uh, it was very nice to finally talk to someone else who's completed the game and to be able to reflect upon it was something I've been needing but trying to avoid while streaming because I don't want to be the guy that spoils anything. Right. You know? yeah. So yeah, but um yeah, thank you for this experience. It was it was really fun and it's cool to reflect upon what I've done and you know. I wish you luck on the rest of the, the casts and everything that else that you got going on, especially during the COVID times. And you know, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you.